0: Well, let's turn to Psalm 67. I mentioned to you in the announcements that my wife uh, was leading worship on the keyboard, but I forgot to tell you that was my 16-year-old daughter standing to her left, standing over here at your right. And she turned 16 last Sunday, last Saturday, and got her driver's license. And I've not seen her much in the last week. It's really great to see her. Next week is uh, Mother's Day, and as a gift to her mom, she's going to be leading worship, uh, and and she's a great worship leader also, so that's going to be special. So uh, you'll enjoy hearing Abby lead worship next Sunday on Mother's Day. And maybe I'm a little reflective because Abby turned 16. That's a That's kind of a rite of passage, so I'm going to reflect with you a little bit today, and then God's going to move us forward. And what I believe is a word for our church and a word for you, uh, because we're the church, aren't we? Psalm 67, we're in the Easter season, and we're looking at the ramifications of the resurrection, and I'm going to read out of the ESV today. I, I typically use the Holman, but the title of my message is, Let the Nations Be Glad. Let the nations be glad. And this is a song sung by the Jewish people that was some have called the missionary song, Uh, The song of optimism and hope. The Bible a lot of times corrects things in us. It says, hey, repent and get right. And the prophets say the people of God are going the wrong way and you guys need to fix things. And even uh, my congregational prayer today was leading us down that path. But there's also many, many scriptures that lead us to greater optimism and greater hope and the culmination of the plan of God for the future. And this psalm is such the case. This psalm, this song that the people sang was so ahead of its time, written probably 6,000 years ago, and it's written in in a way that is calling the Jewish people to let their God touch the nations. How many know that someone like me uh, who... My, my, the last few generations have lived here in America And before that have, came from England I'm so glad that God thought of the Gentiles I thank God for the Jewish people And, and we support Israel And we, we, give the first, we try to give our first check of the month To support Israel I believe it's one of the reasons Our church is under financial blessing right now So we, we, we believe in the Jewish people And God's plan for them But I thank God that our God loves the whole world he loves the entire planet. He loves all people groups. He loves all ethnic groups. He loves the whole world. And Psalm 67 is one of, among those scriptures that propel our vision forward. It propels us forward to what God's called us to do and who he's called us to be. And we are the living result of this song of praise. Psalm 67, may God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us that your way may be known on the earth, your saving power among all nations. Verse 3 of Psalm 67. Let the people praise you, O God. Let all the people praise you. Here's the title of my message, verse 4. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the people with equity and guide the nations upon earth. Let the people praise you, O God. Let all the people praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. Do you want to say amen to that? Okay, good. I'm glad you did. I'm glad you wanted to because you went ahead and did it, right? Well, I started being a senior pastor 11 years ago in Gallatin. And then eight years ago, uh, I came to this church in Hendersonville. and We merged the churches together. So I started this church at Guild Elementary School with a handful of people. Not, not, many of, not many are around that I know of, at least. If you were at Guild Elementary School in 2005, just raise your hand. It'd be interesting to know. Well, cool, cool. There looks like there's about 10 people in here. Hey, that's awesome. I doubt there'll be any in the second service. So thank God. And there's others who are absent for whatever reason. And I, I had a need to do things differently than I had experienced. And this is not a criticism of the churches I had served at. The, the Really, there's only two churches I served at before becoming a senior pastor, and both of them are awesome churches. They're big churches. They're growing churches. They're doing great things. And I'm, I'm very close friends with both of those pastors. So it wasn't this uh, criticism of what I had come from, but it was just... Um, uh, something God was calling me to, and trying out new things. And we tried out things, and some things worked, and some things didn't. One of the things that I wanted to try at the beginning was liturgical prayers, where people said prayers out loud together, because extemporaneous prayers are important. We pray from the Spirit. Some of us pray in the language of the Spirit. We kind of pray this casual thing: "God, whatever you're putting on my heart right now," and and that's good, and that's important. Um, But there's something powerful of us all praying words of unity, not just together as a church, uh, but together with the wider body of Christ. Well, we tried that in 2005 at Guild, and people didn't get into it at all. (laughs) And so uh, then, you know, we just kind of put that on the shelf. And about 2009, uh, we started doing that again somewhat here at this church. And about three years ago, if my memory, I'm starting to lose track of years, in 2013, we started instituting that every single week. What, another thing that we did back 11 years ago is started offering communion every week. And and that did stick. That worked out good. And so I figured up that up to this point, um, almost 600 Sunday services have happened. Wow, isn't that crazy? You think that? Almost 600 Sunday services. That's a, that's a lot of Sunday services, not counting the midweek services we used to have. And that's not counting the duplicate services. So... When I say almost 600, that's including 9 o'clock and 1045 as one service. And to my knowledge, we've, I'm sure we've offered communion on almost every one of them. Let's say less than 10, we have it. And that's only been because of logistics or because of, of some odd reason. So that's been an important part of God making us who we are, is, is taking weekly communion. We don't force people to take weekly communion. But we're available because we want to center people on Jesus. We want to go back to the roots of our faith. I, I don't want to build a church around just the preaching, even though preaching is important. I I'm know I'm playing a big role today because I'm doing a lot of things today, but I, I want a team approach. I want more people, more voices involved. And, and that's what the things God's called me to do. And then the other thing I stumbled onto, and, and these were all things, I was just trying to, uh, to use a metaphor of, of crossing the river. Uh, without knowing where the next stone is. Because I'd never been to a church that had liturgical practices and didn't really understand the significance of them. But I would, in every service, starting 11 years ago and up to this day, with the number six blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his countenance towards you and give you peace. Now granted, it took me about six years to get that down. 'Cause I was the Lord was shining his face earlier and giving grace later and I wrote it down and I had to read it and then I tried to memorize it and I had some verbal problems that I've I've kind of gotten better at that. You think I mispronounced words bad? You should have heard me in the early years, man. It was uh you know, I was I was struggling. I've ended every service with that, and I wanna just tell you why right now. It comes from the scripture. And in Numbers chapter 6, verse 22, this is the priestly tradition. We can read this together. Numbers chapter 6, verse 22. It says this, the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, thus you shall bless the people of Israel, and you shall say to them, and here are the words. This is, God says, when you want to bless the people, this is what you say to them. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So shall they put my name upon the people of Israel and I will bless them. So I want you to know this, that every time you leave this church, every time you leave this sanctuary, you have the blessing of the Lord on you. And it's not because of me, because, you know, I could have had a bad week and I could have done something wrong or made a mistake, but it's because of the power of the word. And it's the authority, not of the pastor or whoever says it, it's the authority of Jesus Christ who is using the church to be his representative on earth. And you live in a society in which it's curse, curse, curse. People are using sloppy language to curse you all the time just because you didn't put your blinker on. People are using sloppy language to curse and we're full of cynicism and sarcasm and we entertain ourselves by picking apart the weaknesses of others. And it's just negativity, negativity, negativity. But in the house of God, you have a blessing on you. And that blessing is not based off works. So let me tell you something. The person who's like a really good worshiper in the front row, and we need some more people like that. They're like, yes! And they can just fulfill in the rhythm and the beat and they're worshiping is not any more blessed than the person who's sitting on the back row, kind of looking, sipping the coffee, seeing what's going on. Because the blessing is not based off words, it's based off Jesus and what he did for us. So that's why you're blessed. And you're blessed because that little phrase or saying follows a tradition. A tradition that, yes, is in uh, in the church that we know of today, but also goes to before Jesus in the Jewish tradition. That when the people of God came together to worship God, and I want you to understand, when you come together for worship, you come together for God. We have to be so careful that we don't come just for our needs to be met. Because i want to tell you this, when you get God, all your needs are met. And so you don't come to church to be entertained, even though it can be entertaining. It can be entertaining. And it's not wrong to be entertained, but we don't come to be entertained, okay? We, we come to the house of God. And we, we, we come to the house of God to experience God and experience His touch and experience his word, and experience who he is. And so it is that this tradition of God's blessing is upon your life. Now I see all of this now going back to Psalm 67. Because whoever wrote this song, we don't know who it is. Usually we shoot from the hip and say, when David wrote this song, but David only wrote, not, I don't think it was even 50% of the psalms he wrote. He wrote most of them, but not all of them. Whoever wrote this psalm, no doubt was thinking about the phrase that I typically pray over you as you leave and that Jewish priests pray over and that now uh, people in Jesus' church for the last 2,000 years often pray too. And so the blessing of God came. Here's the first thing I want you to write down when we organize this psalm. We talk about, we talk about let the nations be glad. I want to talk to you about God's favor God's favor. That's, if you're taking notes, that's the first blank you can fill in. Look at verse 1 with me, and I had you, I didn't read, put it on the screen earlier, because I'd like, I'd like for you, those of you who are Christians, to try to look into your Bibles, or at least look on your phone. Psalm 67-1 says, at the beginning of the sermon, but now it's going to be up there, so we're good. May God be gracious to us and bless us And make his face to shine upon us. You know what this is? This is the smile of God. Isn't it nice to know that because of Jesus and because God's plan, we can have his smile on our life? Some of us think we have the grimace of the Lord upon us. Some of us think we have the look of shame from the Lord. But we have the the favor of the Lord and we have the smile of God upon our lives. And what I feel like the Lord is saying to our church, and he's saying to you as an individual who, are, who is part of this church, is that, that we are entering a season, an era, a time of blessing. And we should look for the smile of God, the blessing of God, the favor of God. We should pray for the favor of God. And then when we pray, we don't just say the word. We should believe for the favor of God. And then when we pray and we believe for the favor of God, you know what we should expect? The favor of God. The Lord is shining upon us. The Lord wants to shine upon us. And sometimes we don't access the favor of God for various different reasons. We're, we're not open to the favor of God. We're not open to the blessing of God. And I feel like the Lord is wanting us today to say, to raise our faith, to raise our expectations, and to begin to see that there is a shower of blessing from the Lord, and he wants us just to step under that shower of grace. Now, now I think that's pretty good, isn't it? Okay, I think that's a good thing to hear. And, and this is an increase of productivity. This is what I believe the Lord wants for all of us. Now, obviously, I'm going to begin to think about uh, the metrics here at the church and the church growing and all of that, and, and, and that's fine. That's going to happen, but, but I'm going to talk about you. Because if we grow, the church will grow. I'm going to tell you something. If you begin to grow your, he- your, your heart and grow your depth, and if you begin to grow your love for people, the church is going to grow. And it's going to grow the right way. Okay? So, so church growth is way more about you than it is about me, because it's about us. And if we grow our heart, if we grow our love for God, and we grow our love for people, we have a chance to see productivity in the kingdom like we've never seen before. And I want to tell you what's attached to productivity in the kingdom. It's productivity in your life. So I'll go ahead and say it. And I hope you don't get near as excited about this as you do about the kingdom of God. But God's going to bless your business and he's going to bless your finances and he's going to bless your family and he's going to bless everything about you. But when you're under the blessing of God, you realize it's not near as important as the blessing of his presence. So, yes, I call us as the people of God. And Psalm 67 calls for us for more productivity teenagers, it's God's will for you to make better grades. I'm dead serious. It is God's will for you to study a little harder. If you play sports, or you're part of the band, or you're an actor or actress, it's God's will for you to show up a little earlier than you're showing up right now. It's God's will for you to be more respectful to your teachers i want to tell you, some of you, God has given you a great job, but you're a complainer. And so you have, you're letting the blessing of God spoil in your hands. And the Lord wants you to get, a, get to work earlier this week and dress a little better and be a little more positive. Or what you have in your hand will spoil and rot. How can God bless us and prosper us and move us on in the kingdom as we despise what we have today? How can we do that? I'll, I'll tell you a very personal story. And, and I, I wasn't going to share this, but in my field, listen, in my field, I'm not unlike yours. I mean, we want to progress. We want to grow. We want to be at the top level. And and Matt and I and, and five of us, five of the pastors, uh, we went to this incredible conference in Atlanta called the Orange Conference. It's about children and youth and what churches can do to disciple the next generation and it was awesome it was fun there was an 8,000 people there 8,000 people there and there was a full auditorium of people and um, it was exciting and it was fun and there were some great speakers and he asked me would I want to speak something like that heck yeah I'd love to I wouldn't be scared I wouldn't be intimidated bring it on I'd speak to 8,000 people I, I love to speak in front of people I'd love the challenge of that. I, I, would love, I would love that opportunity. And who knows, maybe God will give it to me someday. I'll be happy whether he does or not because I'm saved and I'm married. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> and, that, and that's not an indictment on single people at all. That means because if you're married to me, that's a blessing of God that I'm still married, Right? And I got great kids. There's two of them standing right there. Abby, I bragged on you earlier, so you got to wave your hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, all right, all right, all right. So I saw all those people speak on Thursday and Friday, and I loved every speaker. Every one of them was used by God. Then yesterday afternoon, well, twice this, we got two other speaking engagements. Tuesday, I spoke in front of 20 or 30 high school seniors at union experience. And then yesterday at Mission 615, which Pastor Matt is the liaison to our church for, I went for the first time and I spoke to a group of homeless people in Nashville. And when the sermon started, there were 15 or 20, and it ended with probably 60 to 80. But before I spoke, God told me, this service is every bit as important as the 8,000 people that that you were with yesterday. This is the love God wants us to have. And that love comes from God. The depth of love that that reaches. And when I say there's favor and there's blessing, I'm going to tell you that God wants to prosper your finances. God wants you to advance in your job. God wants to give you new promotions. And God wants all of those things to happen. And he doesn't want it to be that big of a deal to you. So you get promoted. Awesome. You're still saved. So you're going to make an extra $20,000 next year. Awesome. More mission trips. Go for it. And then don't live for it. That's what this psalm's about. I'm only on verse one and it's 10 o'clock. All right. (laughs) Verse six said this. This is what I'm talking about, new productivity. The earth has yielded its increase and God, our God, shall bless us. That is the commodity in an agrarian world. The crops were the money. The earth has yielded its increase. I believe the church in America really got messed up in the late 70s. Of course, I was a toddler back then, but I read about it. And I remember the 80s and the 90s with an overemphasis of prosperity because the Holy Spirit moved, moved in the 20th century in a revival of the Holy Spirit that touched all people in 1908, another measure in the 50s, another measure in the 60s and 70s in the charismatic renewal. And what did the church do? The church used the anointing to emphasize money. The money was going to be there anyway. After World War II, there was a huge expansion of the American economy as America came back from war and had industrialized more, and the American economy grew through the 50s and 60s, and the church is always lagging behind. And then in the 70s, the church said, oh, yeah, let's make the gospel about being rich. And there hasn't been a move of God in 40 years in America. Money is just money, guys. It's a tool, and if God trusts us, we could have more of it. But most of us, we don't pass the test because we sin with money. How about use your money and bless and give and plant churches and send kids to college and feed the poor? How many know God can get behind that? God can get behind that because he uses this entrepreneurial spirit he's put in us, he uses our skills. And for those of you who have means, I don't want you ever to be ashamed of having means because you probably worked really hard to get it. I don't believe in, in class warfare of demonizing the wealthy and demonizing the rich. I don't believe that's God's will. I don't believe that's good for our nation. I believe that we all ought to do the best we can with what he's given us and quit judging others and quit being jealous of others and be responsible with the money he gave us. We can expect more if we grow our hearts. If we grow our hearts, we can expand and we can expect more and we can use our resources for the kingdom of God. That's what the psalm is about. We are entering in a season of blessing. And before we get more excited about that extra room, we need to add in our house, and it's okay to do that. Everyone's buying a new house in Hendersonville right now, it seems like by upgrading that car, and that may happen too. We need to ask the question, why? Why is God wanting to send us into a season of blessing and prosperity? Why does God want our elementary kids to do well in school and our college kids to, to get into good schools and to graduate and for all of us to get jobs and for all of us to work? And we need to work, by the way. We need to work. America needs to work again. Why? This is the second thing I want to talk about is our motive. Now, this is where verse 2 through 5 goes. Verse 1 in recap said this. May God be gracious to us. May God bless us. May God make his face shine upon us. Now, here's the question. Why? Verse 2. That your way may be known on earth. Your saving powers among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. That's what I talked about in recent weeks about our gospel being bigger, to not be just exclusive. This message is for the whole world. This message is for everyone. Let let the people praise you, O God. Let all the people praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. Wouldn't it be awesome to see Iran turn to God? To reject Allah, and submit to Jesus? Wouldn't it be great to see North Korea repent and and instead of starving their people, start feeding their people with the word of God? Wouldn't it be great if Congo began to apply the Bible and instead of millions of dying in that civil war, they turned to the Lord? That's what God's heart is. Verse five, let the people praise you, O God, that all the people praise you it's evident here that God never intended for just one race but all peoples and nations to know and enjoy him, that means that just because we're Baptists doesn't mean we're the only ones going to heaven just because we're Pentecostals we're not the only ones going to heaven, just because we're Church of Christ we're, oh that's, that's maybe stepping on toes here, okay hold on, hold on too close, too close Jesus has a plan for the nations. Jesus has a plan for the world. He chose the Jewish people. And he brought about the Jewish people to declare his name. And now that word is spreading. We're in an era known as globalization. And a lot of us don't like globalization. And there are some negative aspects to it. But like it or not, it is here. Which means this is that our children and grandchildren do not think nationally, they think globally. doesn't mean they can't be patriots, and I I believe, personally, we need to teach more American history and more civics, but now I'm just giving you my opinions, let me get back to the Bible. Okay, the globalization is happening. And how it affects trade, and how it affects uh, higher education, and all those things... Everyone's welcome to their opinions, and those opinions really make a difference in policy, and they matter. So let's think about those, and let's form opinions, and then let's love each other through those opinions. Amen? But I want to talk to you as a pastor now about what God could be doing through globalization. Before I do that, let me just share with you of interest. There's a couple of things that have happened, major events that contributed towards globalization recently Sometimes we don't see history, we're in the middle of it. In 1989, the fall of the Berlin Wall. In 1995, when the web went worldwide, so uh, this is Thomas Friedman who said this, uh, do you guys remember Netscape? Netscape was introduced in 1995, and all of a sudden people like us knew what to do with the Internet. Oh, cool, we know what to do now. And then the emergence of China and India. China and India uh, have, have have problems the great things in their culture and problems with their culture the issue with china and india is there's just so many of them there's 1.4 billion chinese there's only 7 billion people on the planet and 1.4 of them are from are chinese are from china are in the country of china and then there's 1.2 almost 1.3 billion indians asian indians that is from the country of india and all of a sudden, the last 20 years, they've got interested in driving cars and having refrigerators and being educated. So the, the, the mass quantity of those two countries is changing. And, and now, uh, immigration policy is, is they're filling up, they're coming to our universities. And, and then, because of the generosity of America and our refugee policy that's been going on for 50 years now, here in Nashville, we have the largest population of Kurds in North America. In Nashville, there are tens and thousands of people from other countries. So the point is this. Whether or not we are comfortable with globalization doesn't matter. Globalization is here, and our kids are comfortable with it. So how do we respond to that? There's a, we respond to this by seeing what God's will is. Let me ask you this question, is God sovereign? I believe that. Does God have a plan? I believe that. So here's the last thing that I want you to write down. I want to talk to you about his impact. God's impact. What God is up to. Verse 7, Psalm 67 says this. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. That is a great scripture. God shall bless us. He wants to bless us. He's capable of blessing us. He's preparing our character for his blessing. He's positioning us with the circumstances of our life. And we are are alive today, despite the things in culture that may bother us or or make us fear. We are alive today at a time of greater opportunity than ever before. We can connect with more people. We can communicate better. We have more freedom of, of mobility, freedom of thought, freedom of expression, especially in the global context. People are traveling like never before. People are interacting like never before. And put verse 7 back up one more time. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. That's the conclusion of God's blessing. God's going to bless us, so all the ends of the earth shall fear him. All of the earth shall know his name. All of the world should know this message of Jesus, this message it tells us to, instead of fighting to bring peace to the world. This message that tells us to reach out to the poor. This message that tells us to go the extra mile. This message that tells us to love all people. God shall bless us and let all the ends of the earth fear him. Later on, I want you to read Ephesians 2, 11 through 14. It talks about God's plan of bringing the Jews and the Gentiles together. This has been his plan from the beginning, uniting them as one people. But now I want to take you to the end, to the end of what's going to happen when we're together in heaven. What's heaven going to be like? I don't know. We'll find out when we get there, right? The Bible talks in metaphoric speech. The important thing is to find God's character when he talks about heaven, God's heart when he talks about heaven. We don't know all the details, but we just know that John saw this stuff. The Holy Spirit had John write it down. But we know God's heart through what we see heaven is going to be like. In Revelation chapter 21, starting with verse 22, and he said this, I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord. There's gonna come a day when churches are gonna shut down and temples are gonna shut down because every moment is worship and every place God inhabits and the presence of God is everywhere. And we will not compartmentalize Sunday morning with the rest of the week because the glory of God is gonna invade every area. You'll be able to take part in entertainment You'll be able to be educated. You'll be able to be able to visit places of the world. And there is no sin. There is no corruption. There is no place where people are being oppressed, where children are being abducted and sold as slaves. There is no place where oppression happens because there's no need for church anymore because God's everywhere. That's good news, isn't it? I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty and the Lamb. And the city had no need of sun or moon to shine on it. For the glory of God gives it light. And its lamp is the lamb. By its light. And here's what I wanted you to see. Will the nations walk. And the kings of the earth will bring their glory to it. There's going to come a time when the kings of the world are going to submit to Jesus, are going to submit to the plan of God, that the kings of the earth will no longer use their power to starve their people. The kings of the earth will not, no longer use their power to get in skirmishes and send their young to death. The kings of the earth will no longer design nuclear weapons that can annihilate cities. They're not going to do that. Instead, the glory is going to be to the presence of the Lord. Its gates will never be shut day because there's no crime. No more need for prisons. No more need for judges. No more need for courthouses. And, And no more need to lock your doors. There will be no night there. They will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations. That which is honorable about every culture. That which we can glory at will go into heaven. I believe Mexican food will make it to heaven because of that. That wasn't in the notes. But nothing This is what we know. Unclean will ever enter it. Nor anyone who does what is detestable or false. But only those who who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Isn't our God good? Let's stand together. I say, let the nations be glad. And I say to our younger generation who's scattered about in this service today. That you have great opportunity before you students. You have a great chance to bring the word of the Lord through the arts, through political power, through education. Through every sector of society, you can bring the purposes of the Lord, not by might or power, but by the Spirit of the Lord. And I believe in the church. I'm giving my life to the church. I believe the church is the hope of the world. The church is a representation of Jesus Christ. I don't believe the church in America is going to die. I believe the greatest days are ahead for the church because where the darkness is greater, the light shines brighter. Yes, maybe the churches that are social clubs, the churches who are just accommodating to culture, but the churches that lift up the heart of Jesus are going to thrive and they're going to rise and people are going to be saved and people are going to be discipled and we're going to make a difference in the morals of this nation. And we're going to lift up Jesus and great leaders, both men and women will rise up to reflect the heart of Jesus. That's what I believe will happen. That's what I believe God wants. Let the nations be glad and sing to the Lord. And as we go to a place of prayer today, I just want to ask that you just open your heart. Open your heart to what God is doing in you, through you, around you, within us. And so that we can live life with purpose. Listen, it's not wrong to enjoy the things in life that you enjoy. But it's wrong if that you have a greater passion for Jesus. If you're more excited about the Preds than Jesus, that's not right. If you're more excited about your boat than Jesus, that's not right. Why don't you get on the boat and start praising Jesus, right? It doesn't have to be one or the other. It can be both. If you're more excited about your next shopping trip, maybe you need to do a prayer walk on your shopping trip. And as you're shopping, start claiming the mall. Well, no one goes to the mall anymore. Start claiming the outdoor, really cool boutiques for Jesus. Start start carrying his presence here. I'm not here to bash you. I'm here so that you can integrate God. You can be an anointed volleyball player. You can be an anointed landscape artist. You can be an anointed crossing guard. You can be a plumber who's bringing the presence of God to every house that you're in. This is what the glory of God is. This is what God has for us.